This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. All right. Hold on to your horsies. Here we go with Troy Casey, the certified health nut, out here in his home base temple, his bedroom it seems to be. Um, he's loading this up. This is my temple. This is your temple. I like that. Thank you for clarifying. And I figured you would have a sacred name for it because I think uh, Troy, like me, if I can project, sees everything as sacred or at least aims to see it that way. I've, I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> so he's loading up on some hafe real quick. You got to check out the recording of this. Make sure you go to breakingnormal.com slash podcast so you're seeing the videos along with this audio because I know some of y'all might just be like hiking through the woods and listening to the audio only which I love but check out the videos too because there's some cool behind the scenes action happening yeah awesome so yeah I, I uh, one of my friends worked in the Amazon for a long time worked with some indigenous shaman in Colombia and he brought some hape back and gave it to me and I noticed that uh, it helped me a lot I had black mold exposure and so it helped dry up everything in my body. It took me about five years to heal it. And this came on the tail end of it. Um, I used some pretty hardcore therapies like hydrogen peroxide therapy and turpentine and some other gnarly stuff. And, uh, and I healed my body 100% from chronic fatigue. So, And tobacco is the shaman's ally. And so I pay homage to the power of that grandfather spirit that also helps to me in my prayers that it connects me deeper to God. So thank you, tobacco spirit. And I do the strongest, most powerful tobacco on the planet. Nicotina rustica. So tobacco, tobacco is a very sacred plant and it has purpose like anything else. And anything that has purpose, anything, a power plant like this, um, it clears negative spirits and it grounds you to the earth. And it also harmonizes the brain and there's nutrition in it, niacin, quercetin, and CoQ10, which is excellent for brain chemistry. So it's powerful, but with great power, great respect is required otherwise you can get in trouble with it nicotine's also very addicting so be mindful of your power plant usage if you will most people misunderstand a lot of these power plants because they've been adulterated by the business systems and so cocaine, tobacco, coffee, chocolate, these things have all been adulterated and they're power plants so they can be dangerous when they're used in a, how should I say, in an, uncon in an unconscious manner. Yeah, it reminds me of this belief that I share. It's, uh, the difference between a tool and a weapon, I guess, is who's holding it. Yes, yes, and I guess the intention yep. of the person holding it mm -hmm. so thank you for sharing that with us and man we have uh, shared a lot of uh, journeys together the ones that come to my mind right now are the Costa Rica tribe design which I think was extremely uh, actually special for us in particular yeah, um, so I've done four Rob Ross retreats. I counted them all. Nice. The first one was, uh, what was the first one? I want to say, was it Oceanside? I think so. With Paul Check? Yeah, yeah. That was a great one. Yeah. Dude, was, we had like 40 people that there. That was in May. I remember, like late May, I believe. Yeah. That was awesome. And then I did a couple others. Koya Webb was there. There's like so many people I've, I've circled back to. Uh, that girl Koya came with, Christina. Her Man. She was pretty. That's she, Yeah, she, I think she's doing an awesome. She might be doing a podcast too. I, may have been, I think I was on her podcast. Wow, cool. Yeah, wow. Yeah, very pretty, pretty woman. I remember her. I think I still have pictures from that day. In fact, I know I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of pretty people at that event. These, uh, there's, you're a pretty man. 
Why, thank you, Daniel. Yeah, you're, that's one of your uh, one of your paths, which has many. That's why I'm like, I'm almost intimidated. Like, oh my goodness, we could talk about so many different things. Where do we go? But one of the things you were, have been involved in for a long time now is modeling and acting, correct? Yeah, I started out as a Versace model. That's how I got into nutrition. I had my own gut digestive issues and... Um, you know, you bloat or you hold a bunch of water, you have a food hangover. And I was just a young kid coming from America and popped in Captain Crunch and Pop-Tarts were real food for Americans, right? And so uh, I didn't know what I was eating, just like anybody else. And so I ate pizza and beer and I started bloating and uh, agents give you a direct feedback loop. Uh, honey, you're fat. Did you say agents? Agents. Agents. What is that? What do you mean? Modeling agent. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Okay. People that get you work. And so so I went down to the American bookstore and bought a book on nutrition, Fit for Life was the name of it. It had uh, a lot of vegan dogma. In fact, her husband, uh, um, um, was it Harvey and Marilyn Diamond. So I became friends with Marilyn on Facebook recently. And I talked to her about the whole, my vegan experience. She, she said she had the same one. She almost ruined her hormones. And so people can find her on Facebook. I think she's got a new book as well. But it was thick with vegan dogma. And it sounded utopian. It sounded very inviting. It sounded intelligent. And I applied it. And the first few years were cool. And then uh, uh, I started to lose too much muscle and had anemia and... and uh, lost my energy and I was skinny fat and and I was like all right well let me rethink this and and so I started experimenting with my diet and that was 30 years ago which is fascinating cuz I went through a similar pattern of sorts especially you That's mentioned how we the met. raw bras and yeah I I was hitting a, the skinny fat I can definitely relate to I would also say my gum line and my hair some of my things like nails like my obvious signs of vitality seemed to not be as strong as they used to be and we, yeah, I eventually turned to back to the um, consuming flesh side as well for not like for the health of it, it seemed. But you went to high quality, which was a different story. If you're growing up American, you're eating commercial. Oh yeah, I did before. Yeah, before the vegan thing is very similar. I was eating whatever standard like, American yeah, diet yeah, and beyond to protein to gain muscle. And I did a fascinating podcast with someone that associates highly with the vegan diet that may be described as dogma uh, with a lady named Angel. And if y'all are interested in like the debate of that. Go check that podcast out. That's interesting. I named it to go vegan or to go hunting. Nice. And it was, it was hot. She is very, um, con it, I, I felt like I was at church, actually. I felt like I was at church with a very charismatic woman that represents the vegan culture in a beautiful way. Cool. Great. Look, if you can pull it off in your biology, great. I, I wasn't able to do that. And I see the same problem with a lot of other people. So, mm -hmm. And I'm vocal about that. And I've helped many famous prominent youtubers start eating meat again yeah yeah that's a pattern i've seen with a lot of people and I, I bet you have as well and um i think as i was talking with adam today which is gonna be an awesome episode as well i i'm, I'm i love teaming up with the people that are willing to just accurately report what's happening for them like let's go for it like let's send it let's go all in on our heart's desires and accurately report what we're experiencing rather than trying to like fit into someone else's projection or pass along some sort of dogma, like really start thinking for ourselves and experiencing life and sit, telling each other what's happening without a hidden agenda. Yes. So I appreciate you for doing that uh, so well, especially through your journeys of no, being known as the certified health nut. I, I don't like that's how long, when did you start that? I, I pulled down this poster from the wall. When did you start be doing the certified health nut? So Certified Health Nut came to me in a vision uh, when I was in the Amazon in 2006. And at the time I was doing stand-up comedy and I was doing a lot of television commercials. And uh, um, I'd been studying natural medicine uh, at that point for about 20 years or so. And I specialized in internal purification, herbs, fasting, and uh, ex exploration of my own nutrition, but a lot of herbs as well, and, and really researching those. And so um, I was sitting in the Amazon in an ayahuasca ceremony with the Shipibo Indians, and uh, an amalgamation of my on-camera career, my 
natural medicine studies and my comedy career popped into my head as the certified health nut. It was born right there. And that was 2006. And it's been unfolding ever since. And I've been producing it on YouTube and social media for a long time. And uh, this poster that you have right here, I made about 10 years ago. And that was just the uh, the jewel case on the DVD sizzle reel for this. And so, uh, so it's still on my vision board and it's coming to fruition. It's working its way through the universe. Now I see the future episodes on here. Are these things that were like you were that have been done, or you were going to do, or yeah, or a vision board or a bucket list? That, that's those are future episodes. So when you pitch, they want to know what the show looks like. Okay. And okay. so those were ideas for the show, and they're still ideas. And the show has actually morphed into four pitches. So uh, because when you go into those meetings sometimes they take months first of all to get the meetings and then sometimes people cancel and then finally you get in the meeting and it's yay or nay and within a few minutes you know so i've i've worked over the years and pitching enough and been in enough production uh, companies and met with producers um, and that's what I believe that happens in Hollywood, the process of getting creative projects made. And I think natural medicine hasn't been like a viable economic concept because you look at 75% of advertising is pharmaceutical drugs and most of the food on there is processed food. So, um, yeah. And you know, there's, there's bigger energies at play, but television's getting so desperate the naked and afraids and the jackasses of the world uh everybody's trying to top each other so i've been pitched for a couple of shows on ayahuasca and psychedelic plant medicine uh one producer uh got enough money from animal planet and was going to look at the anthropological use of these psychedelic medicines um and uh they got enough money for the pitch and to put together the whole project. And then they, they, um, uh, they stopped the project. They just didn't want to invest more money into it. And so, but the consciousness is much more available now. I've since talked to other producers about the same type of project and it's coming more and more to the fr forefront and vice already has one of those shows on, on the internet right now. So with guys that are experimenting with psychedelics. So what was before a potential liability is now a business option for the business of Hollywood, which is making entertainment to make money off of. Yep. Times are changing. Cultures are shifting like it always is. And it's fun to pay attention to. And it's fun to have people around like you that are willing to hold up the sign and be like that, like pointing out the elephant in the room of the culture, especially when it comes to our personal health and which is our collective health. Well, let me, I just want, let me say one other thing. Yes. And, uh, well, first of all, Mike Tyson was on Joe Rogan recently and within the last four months he's done DMT. So he had a complete awakening and you can watch those on, on YouTube, both the uh, clips on where he talks about DMT. Michael Polan, the, uh, um, food writer, uh, works for the Huff Huffington Post, famous guy. Um, he, what did he write? The Omnivore's Dilemma. He also recently wrote a book on psychedelics or psychedelic foods, as he called it. And, uh, and uh, so it's becoming more mainstream. And Joe Rogan, who's been very vocal about it and had Paul Stamets talking about microdosing cubensis last year, he also, um, um, that was last year with Paul Stamets and Joe Rogan was also the host for DMT, the spirit molecule, the movie. So people don't know all these things, you know, they just hear a little bit about the psychedelics. And, but when you start to put the pieces together and you see someone like Mike Tyson, you know, heavyweight champ of the world, super famous, and he starts taking DMT and, and he took the Bufo frog, which is the, the psychedelic uh, frog medicine from northern Mexico. And he had a huge awakening. He doesn't even want to associate himself with violence and fighting anymore. Did you see that podcast? No. no. Oh, my God. You got to so watch it. So it's Mike Tyson and Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan. That yeah. sounds like a winner. It's like two weeks ago. Yeah, I got to check that one out. Thank you for planting that seed. Well, so, yeah, as we can see, there's lots of things to explore. One I want to talk about on this poster is that on the top of the list, I see natural childbirth. Well, I, I have an experience with a natural childbirth as well. Um, I got the honor of 
being the one place we decided to make as a home base for over one year in the last decade. And Encinitas got to see Deanna give birth to Davina, and she really created a nest for that. So it was this whole experience that definitely changed my life. And I know you've had an experience, maybe more than one, around that as well. I'd love to hear your... Yeah, here, what's going on with the birthing? Why do people, why is, what's why, what's normal birthing culture versus what you've experienced? Yeah, so um, so I've been working with Maori healers for many years and their specialties, birthing and fertility. So I was surrounded by all these midwives and doulas for a very long period of time. And, uh, and they were friends, so I knew about their business, but I didn't know much about it. And uh, when uh, I had three about uh, powerful visions. The first time I went to the Amazon, one was a certified health nut. Uh, the second was, uh, the spirit of my daughter came to me and, um, I wasn't married at the time. I wasn't in a relationship. And so, um, soon after I came back from the Amazon, I found my, my, my wife and, um, I had a child and I realized it was the spirit of my daughter that came. So she was my second child. So, um, I had no experience with childbirth, so but I was surrounded by the Maori, and I, I consulted with them, and they connected me with the top midwife in the world. She does conferences everywhere, and she's an old friend of mine. She would always be up with the Maori. Her name's Anna Werewithfall, and I think she uh, also specializes in uh, ocean births and births with like whales and dolphins and stuff like that. Anyhow, she's very astute person, so we hired her as a consultant. I met with her. And uh, she explained to me how I was born in the 60s, uh, doctors with scalpels. and uh, Actually, they look like spatulas, and they go around the skull of the head, and they literally pull the baby out while my mother was knocked out unconscious on drugs. And so I was like, wow. And then I interviewed my mom on her like mental state and her emotional state uh, when she was there. And my dad and her were fighting physically when I was in the womb. And so all these layers of trauma were in there and the way I was born. And so just getting an education and really understanding this and then looking at my natural medicine studies and looking at it anthropolo anthropologically, I was like, hmm. And then we started interviewing midwives to find the right midwife for me as well. And there was a little politics and I could see a little bit of ego in there. And I was like, hold on, time out, man. When we were like natural man, we'd just go out around a tree and handle our business and, you know, out comes the babies. And sure enough, the Maori would tell me stories like that. You know, it was just natural and, and human beings walked and they didn't, they weren't in stirrups uh, in a, position that's not conducive for childbirth for the baby to come out through gravity and come out when it when it wants to not a c-section uh, which causes all sorts of uh, orthopedic issues and musculoskeletal issues with with uh, parents and it also deprives the child of uh, squeezing its pineal gland and releasing dmt in the birth experience uh, not coming through a, a, a vaginal um, uh, birth and so so there, it was it was layered, and my education was layered, and so the process uh, I wanted to do it as natural as possible and uh, as as healthy as possible, and so so we chose a water birth, and um, the funny thing is I don't know how your experience was, but I was forty, and they say you're never ready and to have kids, but I was about as ready as you know I I could be. I traveled all around the world, and I had so many experiences. And uh, I was about as ready as I, 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 I could be, but it's a concept when you're obviously your wife's pregnant and you've got, you know, that in front of you, but it's not, it's, it's a concept in your mind until I touched his head crowning out of her vagina. You know what I'm saying? It was like, it was a, that, I, that was definitely a wake up call to me when I touched <laughs> her head. Yeah. Cause it goes from like a concept to a reality. And in that moment, and that video is up on uh, on YouTube. You can see it on YouTube. Um, it's on my YouTube channel. It's one of my very first videos. And uh, yeah, and he was not only that, but he was underwater for two minutes and 30 seconds. And his uh, cord was wrapped around his neck twice. And the midwives handled it like a champ. Like I didn't even know anything happened. And uh, and 
bloop, he came out and it was just the most amazing experience of my life. And I did it in the comfort of my home. And I had, you know, the farmer's market was that day and I had gone down to the farmer's market and gotten all this fresh fruits and vegetables. And, you know, we weren't in a hospital and the midwife left after a few hours, made sure everything was okay. And, and I was in my own bed and I hadn't slept for like 24 hours going through labor and stuff. And so I was in my bed, I was with my baby, I was with my food and it was so amazingly beautiful. It was incredible. And, you know, the journey just began and the father journey has been, you know, different and just as beautiful. And I keep coming back to that moment to remind me of how amazing and beautiful it is. And, and, uh, and I let my kids and my family and all that stuff be my spiritual path now. And it just guides me without me having to try or do anything. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for the reminder. Um, there was one thing you said I wanted to ask more about the the pineal gland not getting the activation by not going through the birth canal um, and the DMT release that may come with that. I would like to know what you mean by that because there was, you know, Dr. Robert Kassar or Dr. Bazaar. Okay. So we've hung out with him in different times and spaces. But one thing I remember him saying to me, and it was, it kind of planted a seed of fear because I, I was a C-section baby. Um, but it was like, he made it sound like C-section babies may want to be careful if they're experimenting with uh, DMT journeys. That's how, that's what the warning I kind of felt like was from him. He's like, yeah, if you have, sort of because maybe something similar to what you were alluding to. And I'm wondering if there, if you see a connection there and if what you meant more about that. Well, I think that has valid application. My understanding is, is that like, if there's problems psychologically with uh, C-section kids, the psychologists have a little bit more trouble with them. Um, I've heard that before. Um, I don't know how true that is, but it makes sense because it's not a natural birth. And uh, and the pineal gland, the, the skull is very soft. The DMT is in every cell in our body. It uh, gets released in a lucid dream or in birth or in a near-death near death experience and ultimately death itself. And I think that's why DMT is so powerful because you basically dissolve into um, the universe or God or whatever you want to call it. At least that's been my experience. And so, um, so you know, Kassar's got a lot of powerful information, and I guess it really talks about the concept and the context uh, of where he's coming from. Obviously, it has some application, uh, and it depends on each individual. What I've come to understand, uh, Danimal, is that um, there are so much theories and opinions out there, and I'm at, of the ilk right now and I haven't mastered it or anything but I think mind over matter can be achieved with almost anything and I've heard everything whether you've got to be a vegan to be spiritual or you've got to meditate x amount of days or an hours a day or all these things that you should or shouldn't do to reach God but I say how about you just override all that stuff and just do it anyways we have to live in this matrix right now we're living in a very technologically advanced world that's got chemical toxicity and, and other elements and uh, we're trashing the environment. So how are we going to get out of it? We're going to have to elevate past it in one way, shape or form. And I say that we can have enlightenment here with all of our shadow as well as the light and integrate everything and go for it mind over matter style is my humble opinion. So any kind of genetic anomaly, any, you know, Wim Hof uh, took E. coli with 14 of his students or a handful of his students, I should say. And uh, with within one hour, they breathed it and froze it out of there. They were sitting in ice, bath, ice baths and breathing and they override the poison that they injected uh, intravenously. So mind over matter exists already. So how can we pull all these spiritual concepts together and activate them and activate to a higher octave and um, design our way out of our biggest problems just by utilizing our brain? Einstein says we're only using 5%. 
Um, the Maori told me we're the most technological advanced piece of equipment in the whole entire universe. I feel that these iPhones are prosthetics. I, I feel that they're prosthetics compared to what the human brain and the human body can do. So, and if you look at the laws of alchemy and, and maybe the Egyptian and the Hermetic Code, and you start to see in the, what the yogis did and what some of these Tai Chi masters do, and if you look at um, uh, the teachings of the masters of the Far East when they sent you know, scientists and, and operatives over there to study these guys for um, uh, what the supernatural powers that they can do. And again, you can access this on YouTube, Teachings of the Masters of the Far East. Paul Check has referenced it quite a few times. It's a huge volume, and it talks about these guys walking through walls and going from uh, one place to another with either space travel or time travel. And so uh, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, if we're living in a world in quantum mechanics, the top level of scientific thought today is all possibilities and whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. And the Wright brothers proved that flying a plane and Steve Jobs proved that putting handheld computers in everybody's hands. Then what is possible? What can we do? Can we design a world without oil, a world without money? Uh, can we create, you know, permaculture and, and gift economy and, and, uh, um, uh, self-care education and, and uh, you know, ultimately free energy and, and stuff like that and create some form of uh, not complete utopia because we, without challenges, we don't grow spiritually, but some kind of system where our basic human needs are taken care of and we don't have to uh, deploy the military to, you know, take natural resources and, and kill people women and children take those natural resources can we create because we're all one or none is my humble philosophy and and we can't trash another part of the world without it coming back to us and god there's almost 10 billion people on the planet now it's time to get a little bit conscious in my humble opinion and wake up from the slumber that we've been in because i think this is our birthright amen talk about it <laughs> i'm running for president of planet earth in 2020 and nobody can run against me unless they want to run against themselves. But everybody can run with me. <laughs> what do you think, Danimal? President of planet Earth, I can see you there now. Well, yeah, I think it's happening. Here we are. We get everybody to do the meme, right? Everybody's running for president <laughs> of planet Earth, right? We subjugate the whole president the of the United ultimate. States situation. It's like that's maybe beyond a revolution to an evolution. Yeah. And that's where we're headed. We've already fought all the revolutions. We've already created all the wars. We don't need another revolution. It's an evolution. Scott Heron said uh, the, the revolution will not be televised. Fine. The evolution will be digitized. And it already is. Mike Tyson did DMT three months ago. Oh, wow. Right or right? Come on now. Mind over matter, baby. Mind over matter. Yep. Mind never matter. You're, you've mentioned, first of all, I just want to share some books that came to my mind. I don't know if you're an avid reader. Um, I imagine you are. I'm but, not. Okay, maybe not. There's a book, Mind like Never books, Matter. Though. There's a good book called Mind Never Matter okay. that I recommend. And then you're also reminding me of the Celestine Prophecy uh -huh. yeah. when you're talking about people walking through the walls. Yeah. Have you read that one? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And and that's what's in the human template, right? So that book was written about 20 years ago. So that stuff's been unfolding. It's been unfolding through the whole 2012 prophecy. We're still going through 2012. The awakening that we're all processing right now is all part of that. And Mike Tyson doing DMT and ayahuasca being a household name now. There's ayahuasca ceremonies every night in Los Angeles. Hmm. Or at least that's a big assumption that I have. But it's being done, I would say, at least, uh, you know, I could probably find you a ceremony this week, no problem. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I feel it. I feel that. And I have other I practitioners that I... have DMT, then I, it's one phone call away. Professional people, like really astute, clear-minded human being, therapist-level experience in the whole nine, like doing 10 years of therapy in a couple hours. Like really, <laughs> like that's available, man. So you're you're just still riding this wave. I'm like I'm thinking about you, and yeah, I am. At, I'm. Let me know if this resonates with you. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing something. It felt very, feels very experimental, but in the meantime, this experiment is continuing. 
like I started off at this like year off and now here I am like 11 years later still following whatever called me to take a year off um, and I'm wondering what that brings up for you taking what? no it sounds like you found your passion bro and your passion's your life and you're just living it and the it seems like you do that more so than I imagine many people that you've been in contact with like I imagine you've shed many layers of social groups for some reason well i i definitely i don't have a lot of friends in general i mean my actually my network's getting bigger as i'm becoming more clear about myself but um you know my family's important so i spend a lot of time with my family i socialize when i'm out i'm out but when i'm home this is my sanctuary and this is you know i invite people over here for home-cooked meals i think that's very important for uh uh, psychological reasons and social reasons and social genomics, I think it's called. It's the effect on your genes through uh, socializing. We're social beings. Um, and so, um, but other than that, I, I'm out when I'm out and I'm in when I'm in uh, so I can recharge my battery. Um, what were we talking about again? What was, the, what was the exact point? Yeah, I think I'm more paying res reverence and respect to well, I'm imagining my experiment that felt like it started about 11 years ago, but you're may have been experiencing your own version of that for maybe about, I don't know, 36 years or I don't know how long it was since a shift happened where you're like, Oh, I'm just, that's was since the awakening about the certified health nut. How long ago was that? I don't know. Well, I, I had, I've had three, I've had four powerful awakenings now. So let's see. So I was partying my ass off. So I had a lot of success in modeling and, um, I had a lot of trouble with partying. I couldn't stop partying. And uh, it was just all around me. But it took me about four years to sober up. I finally sobered up. I found Vipassana meditation. That was what really set me uh, free. And I started doing that religiously for about two, uh, two hours a day for about six years. And I sat 11 Vipassana courses. And that really healed my nervous system. Again, Joe Rogan is a reference point. He has... Uh, um, most gnarly jail story or something like that. And he had this guy on for about 38 minutes. Uh, and he'd been studied for his neuroplasticity, like meditation really works in healing neuroplasticity. So in this worst prison story on Joe Rogan, this guy was talking about, he got put on death row. Uh, he finally got exonerated and, and got off of it, but he had been beaten and he'd been through trauma and he was raped as a child and all this stuff, layers of trauma. But he found meditation in prison and the scientists are all studying him now because of his neuroplasticity. Like he's been able to heal a deep, deep part of his trauma. And so, uh, so the Vipassana meditation helped me tremendously. Uh, and I want to mention, just so people that are not familiar with those terms, you mentioned earlier that you may have spent about 111 days in silence at this point. Is that So I've sat 11 uh, Vipassana courses, and uh, each one is 10 days in silence. So uh, I served a couple. So um, I served two, and I, and I, and I sat nine. And uh, those definitely revolutionized my life, changed my nervous system. I was so ang anxious and anxi I had anxiety before. And I didn't know who I was. And so I'd medicate it with, with drinking or drugs. or um, I didn't even know why I was in the modeling industry. I just wanted to make money. You know, you just make money in the society. And I saw that as an avenue. And it was an incredible education um, and a great experience. Uh, it wasn't the utopia that people make it out to be. And, and so, anyways, it was it was a great experience, and but I really got into partying. The Vipassana helped me clean up. At the same time, I found the Maori healers. I had a very powerful spiritual awakening with them. They do very deep uh, myofascial work, and they go into the nerve centers of the body, and they read it intuitively, and they find out where your blocks are. And I've been working with them for 20 years now, and I've seen exorcisms, and I've seen miracles, and I've seen them twist babies around in the womb, uh, that have a double nuchal, the cords wrapped around the baby, and they, they can see that, and they unwind them, like physically move the baby around. They, they're the master body worker, masseuse. So I had a spiritual awakening with them, and then about five years later, somebody turned me on to herbs from the Amazon. 
rainforest and I started taking those and I had a huge awakening with those and then I started researching the plants and I started traveling down there and then I started drinking ayahuasca and researching the plants while I was down in the Amazon and I made a lot of content on that that was another huge spiritual awakening for me and then the last one is the one that I've had recently where I went through a divorce and um I really just analyzed what was important in my life and um and my children are important, just like everything's super important. Um, I've had a lot of troubles with my business. I had ups and downs in, in, in business. And, uh, and I've had goals in my business, and I, I don't attain them. And I've gone through a series of self-beat-up on that. And then I turned 50, so I went through whatever Steiner calls it, the seven cycles of seven. So that would be 49, give or take. And so, um, you know, the body starts to break down and the, the consciousness goes back up into the spirit world is his philosophical theory. And I think it has some form of application. And so I'm just facing myself on a deeper level and I had to assess what's important. And then through the divorce, I found out what makes me happy. Um, and I went through a lot of pain. So I, I started doing a gratitude journal. I started praying more. I started getting deeper into my own spirituality. So my, my, my last big spiritual awakening and where I'm at right now is really uh, my own commitment to myself, my commitment to my children, my commitment to my ex-wife. My prayer now is that I love her in ways that I couldn't have before. And so, because the norm, the default mechanism is fight and argue over money and go to court and drag it through the mud and all sorts of fun games like that. I told my, I told my wife, I said, I'm not calling a divorce if you want it. It has to be on you because I don't want to live with a regret uh, for the rest of my life. And then I said, no paperwork and no courts. I will not step foot in a court and I don't do paperwork. So, and everything went out smooth and and that's my prayer and we we still fight and we have our arguments and, and and stuff but that's not our default anymore she drank a bunch of ayahuasca this year i had a dmt experience um and it came out of it like stop fucking fighting with her on text messages and fighting for control and don't manipulate me and tit for tat stuff you know real social dynamic games like passive aggressive games that we all play codependent games that we all play and i came out of that dmt experience going cut that fucking shit out <laughs> and you know usually when you <clears throat> have some type of anger issue or emotional issue or depression you get caught in these little bubbles and you say oh i'm never going to do that again and it was the same thing it was like oh i'm never going to do that again but then it stuck there was something about the medicine that helped me shift on a very deep level and one or two months later, she drank ayahuasca and she's been drinking it uh, recently, a couple months, every month or so. And she's been unfolding and healing herself on very deep levels. So this is my spiritual path now is just, you know, trying to be as cool as I can in the face of chaos. I bet that sounds personal to a lot of people out there. <laughs> and we, hey, look, we're all in the same boat. Comparison is the thief of joy, and this friggin' social media makes us think like uh, like people got a better life than us, but we're all going through the same stuff. We all have a shadow, man. It's about integrating that shadow, bringing the shadow to the party, because guess what? Unconsciously and subconsciously through self-sabotage, it's coming to the party anyways. So you might as well just come correct with it, get clear with it. Bring it to the party, respect it, and then it doesn't have dominion in the boogeyman underneath you like the Catholic Church is now dealing with all their pedophile and rape and pillage of kids and stuff like that. Why? Because they buried the whole sexual energy of the human population that followed that whole ideology. And that's just Troy Casey's humble opinion on that. Hey, well, what do you think is most relevant for people right now that are on this page? Let's talk about... Um, a little bit of a larger scape view. So for people that are on the team of what you've been talking about, and they get it. And they're like, is there something that you would be asking people to pay more attention to as a collective? Like, let's address this, like a water situation or the money situation. I'm curious, just like, what are those? Because I know you've explored a lot of those topics. Which are the ones that are like most relevant for people that are listening to this today? The most relevant thing 
people can do, Daniel, is to become optimally healthy. And opti as above, so below is the natural law of correspondence. So um, it's very important to, to understand that we are connected to the all. We are connected to the earth. We are connected to each other. We are nature. We are in symbiotic relationship with nature. Uh, there is no separation. And um, I like the laws of biomimicry that state life creates conditions conducive for life. And I also like to talk about any species that has taken more than it gives back to the environment has gone extinct. And we're at a state right now where that's happening. And if people optimize their health and they really value their happiness and their wellness and their vitality and their quality of life, not only are they eating organic food, but they, which helps support the soil health, which is important for human health. Uh, it also s supports the water and the air that the pesticides and herbicides and toxic compounds go into and the oceans. Um, but more importantly, once they're optimized on their nutrition and then they start optimizing other aspects of their life, they stop working for corporations that are antithetical to life itself. And so chemical corporations and uh, other companies that are uh, the systems like the oil and gas industry, the systems are actually destroying our natural habitat. And so you can come correct with that and start designing a life and a lifestyle around you actually being healthy. And then when you realize that you actually being healthy is dependent upon uh, the world being ha uh, uh, healthy, um, then the more people that are doing that, then we'll just create a, a healthy, happy world. And that's where we're headed. And the whole thing about certified health nut and what I'm doing, if if I don't put my foot down and start doing something and becoming a leader on this planet, who's going to do it? We all voted for Barack Obama and hope, hope and change, right? What happened? Nothing happened. He put Michael Taylor, vice president of Monsanto, to head the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. I mean, that's like putting the fox in the hen house. Uh, he dropped more bombs on anyone in human history. Libya and Syria, these are all casualties based on oil and money and other geopolitics situations. And so these are crimes against humanity. And we can't do this uh, uh, exponentially. Eventually, we'll start doing it on our own citizens. And so all this stuff has to change. And it comes by reclaiming your divinity, reclaiming your power. And how do you do that is by reclaiming your gut microbiome. Your gut microbiome is part of your three brains. You have a, you have a brain in your head brain in your heart and you have a brain in your stomach. There's literal uh, neurons and it goes through the vagus nerve uh, through these three centers of the body. And so the heart always knows and the stomach guides your primal instincts. So you know internally what's right and what's wrong. Those things have just been turned off and subjugated through the programming of the educational systems and through the media systems, which are all intertwined uh, with the multinational conglomerates. And it's just keeping these systems in place. And it's no conspiracy, Daniel. It's just good for business. And we live in a crony capitalistic world and we're run on capitalism and central banking. And central banking is a debt slave system. And so it's just an idea that was manufactured by a bunch of gentlemen on Jekyll Island near you and in, in, uh, on the East Coast uh, in 1913 and then passed through legislation. And then that's the money system that we have today. It doesn't make it right or wrong, but is it optimized and are we running optimized? And can we dream up the next level of human innovation as the Wright brothers did something when everybody said they were crazy? And I'm not crazy because the futurists are already talking about this. Peter Diamantis, who's in business with Elon Musk and Tony Robbins, is talking about it on Singularity University. We will be in a post-capitalistic world in the next 12 years anyhow. Now, do we want that to be more utopian and egalitarian, or do we want that to be technocrat-run and you being able to get in certain places because of your social score on you know, whatever your credit score rolled into with your social media influence on top of what your political leanings are and stuff like that, which is a negative utopia, something that you can see that was played out on Black Mirror if you watch that television show. And it's already happening in China. So do we want technology to enslave us or do we want technology to be our whipping boy? It's time to wake up, guys. Hello. And the first place you're going to wake up is by reclaiming your gut microbiome, becoming healthy, and then looking around your environment and seeing how else you can participate and lead others on the way.
Because if you're healthy right now, you're a leader by default, man. You got 70% of the American people are obese or overweight, and one in two will get cancer. So being healthy is actually a complete revolutionary act in today's world. Man, another flashback. Another flashback to Robert Kassar right now. <laughs> this time, that's what, you know, when we met him, when we met him, he was very into us because he judged us to be healthy. And actually, he judged us specifically. The way I, You know, I'm regurgitating this, so I don't want to put words in his mouth. He may have not said this exactly, but what I remember from it. So he was very uh, adamant that we had six-pack of abs visible because it means the parasites didn't take over. That's a cute theory. I love Robert for that theory. <laughs> that was something I was having a flashback from. And then I was because I, maybe you're talking about gut microbiome and uh, being healthy and waking up. And then we talked about him earlier. Yeah, if you want to talk about that a little bit, I'm curious. But I'm also curious now that if someone's like, yeah, righteous, I'm going to take care of my gut microbiome. How do I do that? Well, um, I mean, I've been fasting for 30 years. I think fasting, and again, God, Joe Rogan has so much good stuff on there. Um, he just had the, one of the biggest gerontology, anti-aging doctors on their longevity guy. And they're trying to create drugs with erythromycin or something like that, one of these names. Um, but this is what happens in fasting. And they're sitting there talking about it, and they're trying to develop this drug and I'm just like, how about fasting, guys? <laughs> I mean, they're all into fasting and talking about intermittent fasting windows and all this stuff. But he's talking about drugs and research on mice and all this stuff. And I'm just like, well, how about fasting and extreme fasting and, and really helping your body adapt and doing stuff like that spiritually, you know, um, you know, taking time off to go deep. And so, um, you know, fasting is always the way to heal the gut and reclaim the gut microbiome without getting into too many esoterics. First of all, uh, healing takes time and energy and to heal the gut and to figure out which materials are inflaming you. So I got to back up for a second and explain like celiac disease and, and wheat and glyphosate and all these things. So there's been so many inflammatory triggers in our environment and in our food supply and a lot of it has been through research bias, starting out with Kellogg's and General Mills saying that grains are, you know, heart healthy diet and they made vegetable oils out of these grains. And then uh, before that, it was like big breakfasts, right? And eating grain, you know, but now you look at like, how do you fatten up an animal for market? You feed it grain. And then you look at 70% of the American people are obese or overweight and everybody's eating grain and grain fed uh, um, uh, remnants. And, and cows and, and pigs and stuff. And so and everybody's getting sick off of grain. So there's the end result of a grain-based diet, right? And so uh, my mentor told me results never lie. And so the American breadbasket is what? Wheat, corn, and barley, right? And so in soybeans and stuff like that. And, what, and what's, our, what's our results? Because the axiom, you are what you eat, is not really going away anytime ever if you're looking at biology on earth. And so, so you start to look at all these things and the way we've been programmed. And then I'm educated on phytic acids and lectins and what these plant proteins and enzymes uh, do. And eventually it starts to break down the gut. These, these undigested protein solids get into the body and they can't be broken down. And then on top of it, they're spraying glyphosate and glyphosate knocks out the uh, reproductive uh, endocrine system in the nervous system of pests or, or, you know, even herbs. So it's an herbicide and a pesticide. And so, um, the way it got put on the market through Donald Rumsfeld and Reagan, when he deregulated, uh, a lot of, uh, industry was that it, um, first got put on the market as a patent for, uh, it's a heavy metal chelator. So they used it for farm irrigation equipment. And then eventually they used it as an herbicide for Roundup Ready, which is used on golf courses and uh, schoolyards, et cetera, and gardening. You can buy it at Home Depot. But more importantly, in 1996, when they ushered in genetically engineered um, uh, seeds and crops, they used that as an herbicide. And, uh, the glyphosate, there's been a lot of research on it. It takes out uh, these little bugs and stuff. And so you have 
bugs in your body. And the glyphosate is hammering people's guts and it's killing their gut microbiome. It's killing the good bacteria and then the bad bacteria can proliferate. So this is what's happening. So and mine for a matter, when you say you have those in your body, I trust what I have in my body is vitalistic and synergistic and it's getting better and better every day because I want mine, mine never matter. Yeah, and I hear your message. And you have an organic diet, Daniel. Let's not deceive the people, right? I definitely eat more organic than your average Joe and more wild foods and more consciously and more gratefully, I bet, than your average Correct, and you probably have a handful of detox protocols in your repertoire like saunas and fasting cold baths and f- look at fasting yeah look, what, the so fasting's what, the number good, one way to heal the body about, so let's say this goes viral and a million people listen to it that didn't have much of an idea about these things beforehand what would be a nice starting place for some sort of protocol or strategy for fasting so fasting is basically the elimination of something right? You could fast on, you could just pull meat out of your diet. You could pull dairy out of your diet. You can pull food out of your diet and fast on water, right? Jesus did a 40-day water fast. That will clear all the waters of your mind and your whole body. It'll recycle everything. Very magical fast, very intense, challenging fast. You can fast like they do on Ramadan. And I think in the Jewish traditions, they fast for a certain period of time on the Sabbath, etc. In Ramadan, I think they fast during the day, but they eat at night. And I've talked to a few Muslims and they said that, uh, um, and a lot in that tradition or what it's become is they will eat junk at night. So they'll fast during the day, but then they'll, they'll party and, you know, eat at night. So the bottom line is the sumo wrestler diet as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, everyone's got their own tradition and I'm sure at the highest level of that spirituality, they know, you know, that nutrition is, is super important and they have more of an, uh, astute diet protocol, uh, clean diet, I should say. So, and I would probably say you're probably ingesting some humic and fulvic acids, maybe say some ionic minerals, some shilajit or something like that. Yeah, every you, once in a while. Actually, in that? So, uh, because that of, chelates the glyphosate out of the tissues too. I have partaken in shilajit, in particular with our friend, your na- old neighbor, his company. Oh, Archer. Passed, yeah, Archer and I sampled some of those. And, and, and I've done it in different ways from Robert Kassar's company. When it seems like to organically come in my life and I have toyed with those yeah so fasting you can do there's many ways to skin a cat you can do liver flush with specific herbs uh and broths and vegetable juices you can do kidney flushes you can do colon cleanses what about someone that is concerned that they may have a parasite parasite so we all got parasites yeah i would love that's why i think the idea is to make yourself strong because we're in symbiotic relationship with microbes you, in fact, you have a good, healthy gut has 85% good bacteria and 15% bad bacteria. When that gets flipped over, it's called dysbiosis. And that's where you see distended stomachs, gas, bloating, indigestion, acid reflux, these types of things uh, come up from that. And so, um, so fasting, fasting, there's many ways to skin a cat. How I got into fasting was I started reading the literature when I was living in Italy and I, I, I learned about the vegan diet. I started eating more fruits and vegetables. I got clean from that. But then I started reading books on herbs and fasting. And, uh, and then when I got back to the States, I did my first 10 day juice cleanse. So I did, I did fresh vegetable juices for 10 days, juiced immediate, drank it immediately while it's juiced. And then, um, and I was adding some herbs too. I think at the time I was, I saw, I heard the liver was important and milk thistle and dandelion was good. So I took those herbs and I've, I, I got a colonic too. So I was cleaning out the poop chute and I was doing the juice. And then after 10 days, and I was modeling at the time, right? And I was partying a lot too. And then I did 10 days of juice and I looked in the mirror and I was like, holy shit. All right, that works, right? I look like a spring chicken. My skin looks amazing. I'm just shining. My hair looks amazing. I lost a little bit of pudge, right? And my muscles are showing a little bit more. I was like, all right, that's magic. So I was hooked. That was 30 years ago. I've been juicing for 30 years. I've been utilizing herbs for 30 years. I've been utilizing superfoods for 30 years. And I've been fasting for 30 years. I've been doing three to four cleanses a year, whether that's a liver flush, maybe uh, I'll do dry fasting, 
uh, uh, juice fasting is my favorite because it's more calorie restricted. So you got a lot more nutrients coming in. And the biggest thing as you age now, I'm 53 now. So muscle wasting is huge. And the older you get, the more challenging it is to build muscle <clears throat> or the more challenging it can be. Yeah, mine never matter. It can be. Well, what I'm dealing with right now is uh, I don't want to be bogged down by metabolic processes. So I want my mind clear for my business, for my family, for my, <clears throat> my energy and my body. And I'm building muscle at the same time. So uh, I really have to balance that, 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 that out. I do need, I'm probably eating when I eat maybe 1,500, 2,000 calories a day. Uh, and sometimes less. And obviously to stack muscle, you need to build a little bit. So I've been able, because I have the technology around stress management and sleep and Qigong, I've been able to get incredible results in one year as a 52-year-old man building muscle after a long time. Um, but if you're talking about when I started weight and lifting weights when I was 17 in juvenile hall, I got cocked in like four months. I was like huge and I could lift all sorts of weight and I was stronger. Those days, uh, for me, right this second, with my stress levels and my business and my family, I don't think it's happening. Four months, I was yoked, you know, and strong as hell. And so, so that's what I mean. Um, but I'm also building on a foundation right now where I think I could actually get stronger than I ever was. So that's what I'm after right now. And I have all the technology and the intelligence around that. So you got we, this. We were talking about fasting. Did we? Yeah, oh, yeah, I think you sent it, you got it. And I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh, it's almost the hour mark. What I want to do. Well, I want to let, let everybody know that I take people through these juice cleanses right now. I work with a company. It's been around for 25 years growing organic wheatgrass and organic spirulina. And we have a complete anabolic cleanse. It's a 40-day cleanse, 10-day intensive juice cleanse. People lose anywhere from 5 to 20 pounds in the first 10 days. They break food addictions. They get rid of aches and pains, all the inflammation in their gut and their face. And so it's a great platform to reset the body. I recommend doing it twice a year. I've done it seven and a half times in the last five years myself. And so, uh, and it's good for rookies and for veterans. And it's the only anabolic cleanse on the market that I know of. So it builds muscle while you're uh, on it. We have pre-digestive vegan amino acids. So, all right, all right. And, and, and so people know, once again, what's the best place to find out all this information from you? Is there like a hub? Certified health nut. Yeah, I mean, I own the dot com. I own the, the YouTube. Cool. I'm we'll most make... active on Instagram right now, um, but I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Most of my information, I got 500 videos online. It's all for free. Um, I do one on one coaching. I have retreats. I have workshops. I have lectures. I travel all around. I'm open for hire. I'm looking for corporate gigs. I'm looking for big speaking gigs. I got a speaker reel on my, on my, um, uh, uh, PR that I can send out to people. And so I'm looking for bigger and bigger platforms. Again, I'm running for president of planet earth in 2020. You can run with me, Daniel, but you can't run against me. Um, <laughs> let's run together. <laughs> That's it, baby. And speaking of running together, president planet earth, you've been to so many amazing places on so many amazing journeys that we could probably talk for a year about them. I, I, what are like just the golden nuggets of some of the, let me think for myself. I'm going to make it really personal. Hmm. Where are the places on earth that you've been where the spiritual energy is just obviously the strongest and purest? Okay. Cause I went on quite a few spiritual pilgrimages, especially during my awakening time in the early two thousands. So in 2005, I went down to the Mayan temples um, 2012 was approaching. There was a lot of buzz about the Mayans. So I wanted to walk those temples barefoot myself and pick up the energy from the stones down there. And, uh, man, magical, magical, magical journeys. And then, uh, I prayed for some more and, and, uh, I started working with in the Amazon and I went down there. I went to Machu Picchu and I went to the temple, of the lightning, Saxa woman in Cusco. Again, amazing, amazing temples. Oh my God. So, uh, Tikal in Guatemala is powerful. What I recommend people doing is flying to Cancun, renting a car, driving out to Chichen Itza, which is like the Disneyland of Mayan temples. It's huge and it's hot as hell out there. And there's about 40,000 people a day. So go out there 
And then from there, you can either drive out towards Merida and uh, go up into uh, Chiapas that way and get into Palenque. So there's a bunch of temples all the way out uh, the Yucatan Peninsula. And then you go up into Palenque and Palenque is just magical. And there's a little guy on the side of the road that sells mushrooms. Get some mushrooms before you go up. <laughs> and so... Uh, so yeah, they're, they're, you, when you're walking up, the guy goes, "Fungi, fungi." <laughs> He's in the jungle, right? He's "Fungi, fungi," and so, uh, so uh, that place is amazing. Palenque, because you're so deep in the jungle, and you know it's a ten-hour drive from Cancun, and then you can go back into Bonampak and Yaxilan, and at the place where you get on the boat to go to Yaxilan, you can take the boat over to Guatemala and go to Tikal. I did this on a seven-day trip one time, and it was great because I went solo, so I wasn't talking. And you know what not talking does. It's so amazing for relaxation. And I just went deep, you know, and I was by myself on a spiritual journey. Went into Guatemala. Uh, it's quite the journey, too, you know. You get into Guatemala, you stay at a hostel, and you wake up the next morning, and then you go out to Tikal. And Tikal is just magical. It makes it makes Chichen Itza look like child's play and the energy so powerful there. And, and it's not Chichen Itza. There's not all those tourist bus there and, and, and stuff. It's like deeper into the jungle. And so, and then you come back and you go through Mexico and you come back and you could do Palenque again and you meet the fungi guy in the, in the jungle. And then there's a little river down there you can swim in. And then you get back in your car and you go back through Campeche uh, and you come up the Yucatan below Tulum and it's all jungle and it's a, again it's a 10 hour drive to to Tulum and it's just the oxygen so rich and there's some temples out there too you can stop at and uh but then when you get to Tulum you can stay there and of course you can have your hedonistic experience down there there's tons of hot chicks down there now Tulum's amazing and so but it's all commercialed out they're trying they're trying to make it Vegas down there like they did Cancun it's all blown out anyways so stay in Tulum and then get over to Koba which is 35 kilometers inland and Koba is the highest temple in uh, in the Yucatan and there's a coral road that's uh three kilometers back walk that barefoot and the corals are like acupuncture it totally hammers the bottom of your feet, lights them up, man. And so it's like you're going through this detox cleansing program, you know, do, doing this barefoot walk back there. And you could just imagine being back there. And if you go there at night, you can see how the moon lights up the coral uh, uh, pathway. And so it's just magical back there. And I've done mushrooms a bunch of times back there as well. And, uh, and I snuck in there at night, and I snuck in at Chichen Itza at night as well. And being on top of those pyramids at night, man, it's such a trip. Uh, and so, but you got to go see Koba. And Tulum's beautiful, but it's so played out with all the tourist buses. And uh, uh, But it's beautiful there, and there's a little beach there. And then, and then get back on the plane in Cancun and come back home, and that's a great spiritual journey. And then next time you go back, then you go to uh, the Amazon and... Machu Picchu and all the temples up there. And yeah. Next, I want to go to Angkor Wat because I'm sure that's powerful. And I've been to Stonehenge. So Stonehenge is, is really cool if you're in the UK, man. Just I've been to Stonehenge. I've been to Roslyn Chapel. You can feel the energy there for sure. And uh, Stonehenge. And I've been to Avalon as well. Um, what's that town called? It's where King Arthur was. Glastonbury. I went to the Glastonbury tour. Um, and I think the town is called Avalon. It's like a little Sedona-esque kind of situation out there in, in, in England. And, and so, yeah, whenever you can go to a sacred temple or a sacred place, you know, go for it. Yosemite's another one. I'm happy I asked. Well, man, I guess we'll keep the journey going. Yeah, baby. I'm stoked to be in synergy with you. I'm stoked to, for all the partnerships that we've had and yet to have. And, uh keep breaking normal and man being you you're doing it doing it big thank you i'm doing it thanks for having me on the show bro i love it yeah love you and your brothers yeah good dudes love you as well and it's cool it's cool to keep circling back over the years it feels like an upward spiral instead of a vicious circle yeah totally gnosis praxis and telicus we're always evolving to 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 know 
to do to become the ancient Greeks used to say mm. alright in that case job less thanks Troy this boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society aloha everyone I trust y'all are so enjoying these transmissions becoming more of an in a state of awe more in a state of joy bliss blessed the attitude of gratitude is growing in you you're becoming a magnet for unavoidable success more and more every day so you're experiencing life in the most heavenly way you ever have now and that it only gets better from here on out that's my prayer for us and that we're uh, giving our gifts generally generously generously that uh, our cups are spilling over and if we want to get something to give it wow it's been a lot to keep up with with traveling with uh our baby and Deanna and all these different climates. Like literally someone can drive to snow, to the beach, to the desert, to valleys, to rivers, all in one day on this island. And with my ambition for adventure, it's been pretty it's been a pretty fun opportunity to stay grounded and also prioritize this podcast and my other projects that are built around my passion um if you want to team up with me right now i think our number one offering i'm most excited about is uh on february 22nd we'll launch our next tribe design facilitator training for up to 22 people and that will uh that what that looks like is a month-long virtual training it's awesome life-changing i mean if you're attached to seeking affirmations for your limitations or are you looking to surround yourself with people that don't hold you accountable to your highest, it's probably not for you. But if you're ready to go all in on your dreams and start living like today is the best day ever, and we're not sure how many days we'll have, but we're willing to go all in in the meantime, this is for you. If you want to cultivate the art of being able to design a tribe wherever in the world you go, that you just become a magnet for connection and that you understand how to connect people, even if they don't agree with one another, able to uh, basically be a catalyst for heart sync over group think if that's something you're looking for or being able to re facilitate retreats that get you paid to share your passion in a way that feels good and makes like money more clean in my opinion i think a lot of people think money is dirty because they're trading their time doing something they don't want to do to see numbers move on their screen and that's one of those moments i would ask you to ask how much is making this money costing me? How much is saving money costing me? And tr just to treat money as there's no shortage of it because in reality money is made up and how can something made up be scarce? So I trust all these podcasts and transmission are getting you to go all in on your dreams and passions beyond your stories around money, time, or space because those seem the cultural norms that most people are ready to break through to start living a more liberated life rather than under someone else's ploy. So if this resonates with you, go ahead and send your application in today at internationaltribedesign.com and one of our awesome team members will get back to you to explore if you're a good fit because if you are, we want you to start running retreats around the world, designing tribes based on what lights you up the most. Build the people and the places will come. And that seems to be a real reality here. While I've been out here in Hawaii, so many people want to show me their the lands they're stewarding, the retreat centers they're building, the ideas around designing functional tribes that are thriving rather than the vicious circle of some of the cultures that are not working. It's been such an inspiring trip and uh, I'm, I'm wanting to team up with the people that are taking the time out of their day to tune in and listen to these ideas about Breaking Normal. And if you're ready to take action, hit me up, breakingnormal.com. I trust if, if you're feeling the call, we'll see you in Austin and uh, we'll get you trained to start facilitating your own events and maybe some even tribe designs. That's what's happening in Austin. Three people that have gone through the program are actually facilitating this event. And our intention is to show up as either supporters or uh, special guests, but more as a um, as experiencing the experience as an attendee, like maybe you who's listening will be. So if you're ready to celebrate life in a tribe design in one of the greatest places on earth, the greatest time to be there, I'm trusting I'll see you in my inbox or I'll see an application from you. And we'll get ready to party in all the cool ways. In all the ways that make everything better. This is not like an experience of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's like what happens at a tribe design upgrades everything forever. Hmm. Aloha, y'all. Keep breaking normal. <laughs>